Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We'll be camped out there uh, this morning. We do want to say welcome to everyone. Uh, be sure to meet your newest brother in Christ, Jim Porter. Jim, just raise your hand there. That's Jim over there. So please meet Jim uh, after services uh, today. Uh, we have a miracle happening. We have Alabama and LSU fans sitting together. And uh, that is definitely a miracle. So um, welcome to you. We have uh, Billy and Brandy have special folks here with them. So welcome. Uh, we have other guests with us. And we want to say this. When you come here, you're always a guest. You're not a visitor. You are a special guest. So welcome to everybody. This morning, I want to go on record. I want you to know very clearly that I reject it, that I'm totally opposed to it, that I do not believe it. What am I referring to? I'm referring to something that a few people have nicknamed the hopeometer. Now, what is the hopeometer? The hopeometer is a report that has come out this year. In this report, they describe the outlook of the world. And according to them, the outlook of the world is zero hope. No hope. Friends, I've got hope. Uh, I've got hope. Don't you have hope? We have hope. The world may say there's no hope, but we know there's hope. Like the country boy said, where do you turn to when you got no hope? You turn to God. You turn to God. Go back to verse 9. Though we speak in this way, what way? Go back to verse 1. He's talking about growing up in the faith. He's talking about maturity. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Then in verse 4, he says, it's impossible. What's impossible? It's impossible to take a Christian who turns his back on God and walks away they will pass a point. It's a point that you don't see. It's a point that I don't see. But they will pass a point of no return. It says, and then fallen away, verse 6, to restore them again to repentance. They will reach a point where they will not listen to the Word of God anymore. It's not that the Word of God has lost its power. The Word of God will never lose its power they have just become dull of listening. They don't listen anymore. In fact, it says in verse 7 and 8, they have become unfruitful. They're not bearing fruit anymore for God. Then in verse 9, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, the writer says, but when I think about you, when I think about you, dear brothers and sisters, beloved, 
We feel sure. That's confidence. That is confidence. We feel sure of better things. That's hope. We, sure, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. When it seems like your life has stalled out, when it seems like you're going nowhere, when it seems like the walls are, are falling down on you, then first of all, what do you do? You put your hope in God's salvation. You put your hope in God's salvation. You place your confidence in the redemption that God offers you. And friends, God not only saves you from hell, God also saves you from the bad habits that keeps us from growing. What am I talking about? I'm talking about selfishness. I'm talking about being self-centered. I'm talking about greed. I'm talking about thinking of only yourself. Because when we become a Christian, our focus is now not on ourselves. Our focus is on God first, others second, and ourselves last. God has called us to a higher purpose in life. And God, those of us in this country, God has blessed us so that we can bless others. God has richly blessed us so we can bless others. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has richly blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. If you're not growing, if you're not growing up in the Lord, check to see how you're handling your blessings. Because very likely, you are hoarding those blessings, focusing in on yourself, and you have lost sight of what's important. What is really important? What's really important is our first, our vertical relationship. It's that connection we have with God. And the second is our horizontal relationships our relationship with each other. What should we be doing? We should be first making sure that we are on the road to heaven. And number two, we should be making sure that we can take as many of our family and friends with us to heaven. In Galatians 5, Paul describes the fruit. Notice the word fruit is singular the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Paul? It's love. It's love that's made manifest in all those other qualities. Do we love God and do we love each other? 
First, place your hope in God's salvation, which will produce fruit. And then number two, put your hope in God's fairness. You can be confident that God will deal with you fairly. Look at verse 10. For God is not unjust. He's not unjust. He's fair. He's not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints, as you still do. You know, you and I can overlook things. You and I can uh, kind of have a memory lapse, and we might overlook a good deed done to us, something that maybe a person has done for us that we just fail to acknowledge. But God will not overlook it. Every deed that you do, everything that you do for God and for God's church, everything you do to make Him look better, to glorify Him, God remembers. He always remembers. Look at verse 11. And we desire, each one of you, to show the same earnest, to have the full assurance, the confidence, the full assurance of what? Of hope. It's hope. The full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish. The writer here says, I don't want you to be sluggish. I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to give up. I want you to be confident, assured in your hope, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators. Imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We are imitating. We're imitating these first century Christians. We're imitating Paul and Peter and John as they imitate Jesus. We're walking in their footprints. Don't give up. Don't give up on God because you will receive. God has promised you heaven. And God will give the faithful Christian that home in heaven. Kate McClure will never forget that day in November. It was 2017, just three years ago. She ran out of gas. Have you ever run out of gas? Okay, she ran out of gas in Philadelphia. In not a very good part of Philadelphia. She didn't know what to do. She didn't have any money on her. She didn't have a credit card on her. Luckily for her, John Babbitt Jr. came by. John Babbitt Jr. John Babbitt Jr. Has a, it was a man who had served his country in the Marine Corps. Faithfully served his country in the Marine Corps. But in his discharge from service, he had trouble adjusting to civilian life. 
he had unfortunately become homeless. John walked up and noticed Kate's problem. He said, here's what I want you to do. You're in a bad part of Philadelphia right now. Lock your doors. Keep your windows up. Lock your doors. I'll be back to help you. John walked to a gas station. He only had $20 on him. He took that $20, bought the cheapest gas can that he could find, got the rest of the money in gas, walked back and filled up her tank. Kate said, I, I can't pay you back. I don't have any money. John said, that's okay. They got talking and, and he shared his story with her. So when she finally got home, she decided to set up an online fundraiser. On that online fundraiser, she told John's story of how he had bravely served his country and, and how he had had trouble adjusting to, uh, to civilian life and how he was now homeless. One month later, right around Christmas, that fund, that fundraiser, $397,000. John was able to buy a home. He was no longer homeless. Plus, he took the rest of the money and gave it to another homeless vet. I tell that story for a reason. If people will reward a homeless veteran's generosity with such extravagance, is God no less fair than they? Can we expect less from God? No. God, God will reward us in a way far better than, than dollars. He's going to reward us with a home in heaven to be with Jesus for all eternity. When it seems like you're going nowhere in your pain... First, put your hope in God's salvation. Then two, put your hope in God's fairness. And three, put your hope in God's faithfulness. Did you know that God is faithful? Did you know that, that God will keep His promises? Have you ever broken a promise? I have, okay. hate to say that, but I have. You know, I have told someone, you know, I'll meet you there. I'll help you. I'll be there to help you there and do that, you know, and then I forget. I had good intentions, but I just forgot. I broke my promise. God will never break a promise. Our God will never, ever break a promise. Verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Now, he's writing to Jewish Christians. And, and in the Jewish culture, when they would make a promise, they would often, they would say, they would swear by an oath. Okay? They would swear by something greater. Here's what it says. Since he, God, had no one greater by whom to swear... I mean, how can you top God... He swore by himself. He said, I'll put the responsibility on my back, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having 
patiently waited. Abraham and Sarah was past the age that you would expect someone to have a baby. In fact, way past the age. You know, they were, uh, if they were living in today's world, they'd be drawing Social Security for, for a long time. They were past the age. They patiently waited. They attained the promise. Isaac was born. They were given the promise. Isaac was born. All Abraham had to do was to wait patiently. Do you like to wait patiently? I know I don't. I'm, I'm fidgety, as Lisa calls me. What does that mean? Well, it's, you know, I'm always wanting to do things. You know, I, I'm not patient. I want to get it done now. I want to get organized. I want to get all that work done. A young man from Chicago fell in love with a young lady from Kentucky. They got married, and uh, their marriage was a, a storybook marriage. Perfection, love, I mean, it was great. Until she started having brain seizures. They went to every doctor they could think of. They went to every hospital they could think of, and nobody was able to help her. In fact, she started having so many problems, they, she could not even remember her own name. On occasion, she could not even remember who her husband was. Finally, a doctor made a suggestion. Maybe if you took her back to her old home, Take her back to uh, familiar surroundings. Take her to where she grew up. Maybe that will help her. So that's what the man did. He loaded up the car and they took off for Kentucky. They got permission from the family that owned the house that she grew up in to take a tour of the house. And they walked through every room. They sit down in every room. He talked to her about the rooms. And they went down the streets that she had grown up on. They went to the high school that she had graduated from. They went out to the restaurants that she would go to when she was growing up. It didn't help. It didn't make a difference. There was no change. Finally, the husband just gave up and said, well, we'll go back home to Chicago. So they loaded back up and they were headed back to, to Chicago. But then the, the husband noticed that for the first time in months, his wife was sleeping. She was sleeping in the car next to him. She was on the passenger side and she was sound asleep. Before, she would not sleep soundly. She was always threshing about and moving about and, and having fits. And he thought, well, it's finally, at least, maybe she's going to get a good, a good day of sleep here. So they finally got back to Chicago, and he got her out of the car and took her to the bedroom and put her in bed. And he sat down by the bed. He patiently waited. He fell asleep in the chair. He was awakened because his wife was stirring about. He looked up and he saw his wife lovingly looking at him. 
and she seemed to be of right mind. She said, I seem to have been on a long journey. Where have you been all this time? To which the husband said, my sweetheart, I've been right here waiting for you all this time. Do you know that God waits for us that way? God is waiting for you to love him back. See, God has already loved you. He sent his son to die for your sins. God has already loved you. He sits by your side waiting for you to love him back. Will you love him back? God is faithful. He will patiently wait for you. Will you come to Him? Hebrews chapter 6, or chapter six verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. That was their culture in the Jewish culture. So when God desired to show more convincingly, he wanted to get the thought across. He wanted to make sure that you believed in his promises. When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath an oath that he put on himself. He put all the responsibility on himself so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible, it is impossible, number one, for God to lie. God will never lie. You can believe in God. You can rest in his promises. It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fledged for refuge... We have found our refuge in God might have strong what encouragement to hold fast to what hope. Hope in God. Hold fast to the hope set before us. God made a promise. He made a promise to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through him. Jesus comes to us through the lineage of Abraham. He is that blessing that God promised way back then. Go back to Genesis chapter 22, verse 16 through 18. Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. God stopped him. And God repeated the promise, Abraham, it's through you that I'm going to bless all nations. That promise has come true. Don't give up on God, because God will never give up on you. Verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope, a hope, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. 
You see, Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this evening, Lord willing, we're going to look at this, this Melchizedek. You see, Jesus is a forerunner. What's a forerunner? It's someone who goes before you to blaze the trail for you. The high priest, after the order of Aaron, they could take nobody with them into the Holy of Holies. Only they could go in, and only once a year could they go in. But Jesus is a whole different kind of high priest. He's after a different order, not the order of Aaron, the order of Levi, but the order of Judah, the tribe of Judah. He's the order of Melchizedek. And he, he has blazed the trail so that we can stand one day in the presence of God in heaven. Your promised inheritance in heaven is secure because God is faithful. I've never seen the movie Alive. I've never seen the movie Alive. Come back there. It's a movie based on a true story. A true story about a national rugby team that unfortunately their plane crashed in the Andes Mountain. They waited a, a period of many, many days hoping that someone would rescue them, that someone would come to them and rescue them. It became apparent that no one was going to go. No one was coming to rescue them. The three strongest survivors said, we will go for help. So they took off, the three guys. But all they could see was snow on the mountains. All they could see was snow on the mountains. And one guy said, there's no hope. There's no hope. We can't do this. All, all I see is snow and we're never going to get out of here. To which the other guy said, no, I've got hope. We have made it this far. We survived a crash. We have survived all these days because of God. And I believe that God is still going to save us. I believe there's still hope. In fact, he said, look way, way, way over there. I don't see snow on that mountain. All I see is green. There's probably people over there. We're going to go. Because with God, we still have hope. They were able to make it to civilization. They were able to bring back help and they were rescued. They, the other survivors were rescued. That man... He knew what he was talking about. The only hope we have is God. And God makes all things possible. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. 
So the world around us, the world around us may not have any hope. They may have given up, but I haven't given up. How about you? Our hope is found in Jesus. I want to invite you to do exactly what Jim did this past week. I want you to put your faith in him. John 8, 24. I, I want you to repent of your past. Luke 13, 3. I want you to confess Jesus as the true Son of God. Matthew 10, 32. I want you to be baptized. Washing away your sins. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you have one of those, what we call a red letter Bible, all of those verses are in red because those are the words of Jesus. Have you put your hope in Him? Have you put your confidence in Him? In just a moment, uh, we're going to stand and sing a song to encourage you to, to make a decision. Billy's going to be down here. I'm going to be down here. We're going to have an elder down here too waiting for you to to make that decision in your life? If you have, but have went back into the world, if you have brought sin back into your life, you can come back to Him again. He will forgive, James 5, 16. We want to pray with you. He will forgive you, 1 John 1, 9. We want to help you as much as we can. If you have a need to respond, will you please do so while we stand and sing for your encouragement.
There are Let me start this over. There are announcements that just make you, they're just awesome to make. This morning, Trisha Southard has come forward wishing to put on Christ in baptism. Trisha, that's a big decision, and we welcome that. Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask Michael to take her confession and uh, proceed with the baptism. That is an outstanding thing. Jim, do you have some songs? Okay. Um, Billy, if you would come and lead us in a prayer on Trisha's behalf. Michael, after that, you may take her confession, and we'll go forward from there. Let's pray. Our dear Father, we are grateful unto you for you knowing our needs and providing for those. For all our physical needs that you provide daily, We're, we can't ever say enough thank you, most especially for our spiritual need. We're grateful that you sent your son to die on that cross for us. We're grateful that you uh, gave us a plan so that we can be obedient unto you. And we're grateful that you established his church on that day so that we can be a part of that and that we can serve you here and then, be, uh, then serve you throughout eternity in that home in heaven. So grateful for your ability to uh, wash away our sins. And we're grateful that we have the option to contact the blood of Jesus the Christ in baptism. We're grateful for this one who comes forward, and we're thankful uh, for her open heart. And we pray that she will continue to have that all the days of her life. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.